Amen. Turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. We're going to read from 35 to 41. I want to bring the concluding part of this series that we've been looking at. That's the storm. We can go on and on and on and on and talk about the storm. But today I want to bring it to a conclusion, if you like, for now. And then we'll continue later. Today's message is called Lessons from the Storms of Life. Hallelujah. Lessons from your storm. You know, you need to learn some lessons in the storm. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. The Bible says that on the same day, when evening had come, they, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other boats were also with him. And a great storm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. They awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Hallelujah. But, next verse, but he said to them, Why are you fearful? How is it that you have, you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who is, can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Here ends the reading of his holy word. Now, I want to tell you a story. There's a story is um, a guy, you know, there was this boy in the school who was, um, you know, like any clown, class clown. This guy was always clowning in class, would not, you know, allow the teacher to, to teach, anytime the teacher is teaching, he'll be throwing paper and throwing um, things all over the place and making a lot of noise. And then one day, the exam time came. And when the exam time came, this boy was, was reading a question. When he read a question, he put his hand up to, you know, to ask a question to the teacher, but the teacher was quiet. And, and then he put his, his hand up Miss, 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 then uh, Miss Smith will say, Sam, put your hand down. Then Miss Smith, I have a, a question. Then Sam, put your hand down. Miss Smith, I have a question. Sam, this went on for two hours. Then after a few minutes, as Sam was trying frantically to ask a question, Miss Smith said, get ready to stop work. And then a few seconds later, Miss Smith said, stop work. And Sam was very, very distraught. And I went to um, Miss Smith and said to Miss Smith, Miss Smith, are you not paid to teach us? Are you not paid to answer our questions? And Miss Smith said that there is a time when I answer questions. But there's also another time when my time of answering questions finished. And your time to answer questions comes. When the storm comes, it's your time to answer questions. Hallelujah. So, the, 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 my, my, uh, our focus today is to learn how to answer questions in our storms. Learn how to uh, take the right lessons that we need to take in the storm. So that when the storm comes, we are prepared. You know, you may have just gone through a storm or you may be going through a storm now and sometimes you are not very prepared for the storm. You know, one of the best ways as a, as a student to pre prepare for an exam, the examiners will tell you, is to take past questions and work through them. What do you gain when you work through past questions? When you work through past questions, you are gaining experience for the exam that is going to come. When you go through your storms and you don't learn the right lessons when the next storm comes you won't know how to pass it amen so that is what we'll be talking about today but before we do that i want us to go ahead and maybe rehearse a little what we've learned so far since today is our last day 
dealing with this subject. Amen. So we have said a few things about the storms. We said some, the types of storms. We said that they are normal storms. Normal storms. In fact, we gave a definition. A storm is uh, the disturbance of the atmosphere, the disturbance of the environment, the disturbance of your world, most often by a wind that is accompanied by rain, by snow, by sleet, by hail, that really destroys a lot of things in its wake. And we said hurricanes are some types of storms, isn't it? Now we said that the normal storms, normal happening mishaps in life, life as it, as it were, has its own storms. In Job chapter 14, the Bible says that man born of a woman, his days are few, and that is full of troubles. Amen. So storms are part of the norm. Amen. There are storms that are normal. Then the second type of storm is that there are some storms that are engineered by our own foolishness or disobedience. We looked at uh, Jonah's disobedience that caused him to go into the storm. And then there are also some storms that God sends us into to as our growing process. He sends us in there for growth. We go in there so that we can grow. Hallelujah. Then there are the storms that we are dragged in by other people. Like uh, Paul. You saw that uh, Paul was, or jo Jonah for instance, dragged the seamen, the sailors, into the storm. Because of his disobedience, they suffered a storm. Paul was in a storm and that storm took the seamen as well. Amen. And then we said there are a few things about the storm. The storm is engineered by the devil to make us take hasty decisions. And uh, the storm is also uh, engineered by Satan to make us depend on, uh, on the worldly wisdom and not godly wisdom. These are all things we've talked about. So I'm just rehearsing them very quickly. And then the storm is also to take, make us take the easy way out. The storm is also sometimes engineered for us to follow the crowd and do the wrong things and then we said that the storm also is engineered by satan so that we will depend on the circumstance and not on god hallelujah so all these things we've talked about and um, another thing we said was that the storms is also to develop your capacity we saw david talk about facing the bear and the lion and that was supposed to develop him and prepare him for the fight with Goliath. Amen. So God is trying to develop our persistence and our perseverance through the storms. And resistance of the water, I said to you, is what allows the ships to float. So the storm is not altogether a bad experience. When you are going through difficulty, it's not altogether a bad experience because it propels you forward. In fact, the ship or the boat needs the resistance of the water to glide through. And I said that the resistance of the, of the air is what makes the plane able to fly. It's the principle of aerodynamics. We said that the resistance of gravity is what enables man to walk. Without gravity, you will not be able to walk. If you see people who are trying to walk on the moon, you see their walking is all out of sync because there's no gravity there. So storms are not altogether a bad thing. Difficulties in life is not altogether a bad thing. There's a place for it and God allows us to go through some difficulties for a reason. Hallelujah. You know, the reasons why we go through the storm, number one is that storms draw us closer to God. If you had not been through the trouble, maybe your prayer life would not have been what it is today. There are some people when they go through a break, a heartbreak, then they find God. The storm drew them closer to God. There are some people when they go through a difficult situation, then that is when they, the attention of God is the attention towards God is drawn. Amen. The second thing is that Satan attacks with the permission of God. We saw Job, uh, Satan asking permission from God to attack Job. Or God giving uh, Job, uh, Satan uh, uh, the, the permission to attack 
him. Job. Amen. The next thing, troubles are part of life. And then there's, we get a better revelation of who we are in the storm. We get a better revelation of who we are in the storm. Sometimes you need, you need to have been afflicted so that you will learn what you are made of. Amen. The next thing is that the storm comes to cause you to know who Jesus is. The, the disciples had a revelation of who Jesus was when they went through the storm. The, the scripture we just read, the last verse said that they said, they were wondering and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hallelujah. And um, finally, that this shows them, the event showed Jesus what his disciples were made of. Amen. Because he said, why were you fearful and afraid? He just realized that he was dealing with a bunch of wimps. Amen. So sometimes the, the storm is also good because it gives you a perspective of who you are. Amen. So we learn a lot of things. People don't, you see, the, the thing that we have learned about history is that people don't learn from history. People don't learn from history. That's what history teaches us. That the experience that we have, we go through the same mistakes because we didn't learn from our, our past experience. And today I want us to look at the wrong way, the wrong lessons that people pick from their storms and then the right things that people or other people also pick from their experience. Why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this so that you will learn how not to behave in your storm and also how to behave in the storm or what lessons to pick from your storm. Hallelujah. So we are going to start by the wrong ones and that is going to help us to develop what is the right thing. Amen. We are going to learn from the wrong things and to develop what is the right thing. We read the Bible. The first one I want to talk about is Israel. We read from the Bible when Israel had gone into captivity and they were uh, uh, enslaved by, by Pharaoh in Egypt. They were crying for 400 years and God allowed Moses to go and rescue them. And now Moses has gone, delivered them out of Egypt. They are now on the way towards the Red Sea. The Red Sea is in front of them. Pharaoh's army is chasing hard after them. And they started being afraid and attacking Moses, saying that, why have you brought us here to die? This is the sea. We cannot cross the sea. It's so, they, they look in front of them and all they see is the sea. A blue sea, and it's so it, it felt like they are already dead. You know, in the storm, sometimes you feel like things are already you are more dead than you are dead when you go through the storm. You see a lot of you know the the the, the Bible calls it the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible, the, the shadow of the death means that you see, a shadow is. A, a, an elongated version of the real. So, a, you see, when you see a, a, a shadow, when you see the storm, when you see the difficulty, sometimes the, the image is elongated. The image is, looks and feels bigger than it actually is. And it's so bleak. People are, feel so bleak. They feel so hopeless. They don't think that God will bring them through. And the Bible says that and God parted the Red Sea. And Moses and Israel crossed the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army with the chariots were chasing hard. And when they got into the sea, the Bible says that they could not really uh, follow that hard on the chariots. Because the chariots were, you know, if you see a chariot going through the sea with sand, it won't be easy for them to drive it hard and so Israel crossed the Red Sea and when the rest the Israel the last person crossed the Red Sea 
God told Moses, stretch forth your hand toward the sea. And when Moses stretched forth his hand toward the sea, the sea came back and overthrew Pharaoh and his army. And the people, the Egyptians died in the sea. You would have thought that this great storm that they've been in and this great deliverance would have taught the, or Israel how to know that their God they serve is a God that delivers. It's a God that provides. It's a God that empowers. It's the God that brings victory. But what did they do? As soon as they crossed the Red Sea, they encountered the, the desert. And when they encountered the desert, they started complaining. They started complaining that they needed food. They started complaining that they needed water. They started complaining that they, every time they were complaining, and it, to a point that God was fed up with them. Moses made mistakes because of the constant complaints. And you see, sometimes we as, as believers, we go through certain situations that God has delivered us. And as soon as we go through the situation and we come out, we forget. Forgetfulness is the easiest way to fail an exam. Everybody who, is, who easily forgets is not a good student. Hallelujah. I'm sure that you, you agree with me that some of the questions you read in the exam room, you read a question and you, you know in your heart, well, I have read this topic before, uh, but then you can't remember what the topic is, uh, what uh, the right answer is. You know, you remember that the teacher was teaching this topic in a class, but then you can't recollect exactly what the teacher said. So you can't apply it. And that is why sometimes we fail. Amen. So you, could, you can see that Israel failed all the tests in the wilderness to the point that when they got to, um, they, they, they crossed and they, they, Moses sent the spies to go and spy out the land. When Moses sent the spies to go and spy out the land, 10, 12 people were sent. 10 came and said that the land indeed is flowing with milk and honey, but we are not able to go in and possess the land. Why? Because we saw giants and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. In our eyes, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers and indeed they saw us as grasshoppers. It was not the same people that God had delivered from the mighty Pharaoh's hands through the Red Sea. Was it not the same people that God had provided food? You know, they wore the same uh, sandals and clothes for 40 years and the sandals and clothes didn't tear on them. Try wearing the same shoe and the same shirt and, and, uh, uh, and clothes for, for two years and see whether they will last on you. It's that in itself is a miracle. Hallelujah. That in itself is a miracle. But yet, yet, you will see that these guys were always doubting God. Always doubting God. Always afraid. The circumstances at the time of their encounter was always greater than the God they said. It is the type of attitude that some of us have. As Christians, we go through the storm and we forget all the miracles God has brought us through. We forget everything that God has done for us. We forget all the testimonies that we have, uh, we've ever had. We forget everything and we go without faith. Because every storm in our lives is great, the greatest storm that ever hit us. Like the Israelites, we behave as if God has never done anything for us. And so every encounter is as if this is the last encounter. That is the wrong attitude to have in the storm. It's a very bad attitude. Because if you can't see God solving the problem, if you elevate the problem above the God you serve, the problem will always be bigger. And you find yourself having to repeat that. Unfortunately, when you fail the exam, you have to sit it again. You have to keep sitting, resitting, and resitting, and resitting. So if you fail that test in the storm, and you do the wrong things, you have to go through that storm again. Amen. 
If you read the Bible, you read the Synoptic Gospels, you realize that it, twice the disciples were in a storm. Because the first time when they went to the storm, they did not behave right. So he took them back again to the storm. This time, Peter walked on the water. So he tried to overcome the storm until he saw the wind. I don't know how Peter saw the wind, but he saw the wind. (laughs) I've tried all this while to try to see the wind, like Peter saw the wind. And for however many years I've been alive, I haven't seen the wind as yet. I felt it, but I haven't seen it. But the Bible says that Peter saw the wind. Amen. And so you see, Israel always, they kept being in bondage. They kept being on the desert for 40 years. Instead of a, a, a couple of days journey to cross to their promised land, because they kept failing the test of the storm, they kept repeating and repeating until the whole generation died out of disobedience. Listen, the way we go through our storm, the way we speak, the way we behave in our storm, is a test. And we need to pass it. Pass it. Every storm you go through must teach you some lessons. And those lessons must make you a better person for it. Can I get somebody to say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So you must, you must always endeavor to go through the test and pass it. Look at how great Moses is. To have led Israel through the Red Sea and given all sorts of miracles. There were so many miracles before they left Egypt. And as soon as they crossed, the sons of Korah rises up and say to Moses that, listen, we too, we can do miracles. We too, we are called. We too, we have power. So we are coming, we are organizing a coup. God had to open the earth and allow the earth to swallow them. Amen. Listen to the scripture in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 to 19. Hebrews. I trust you are being blessed so far. I trust you are learning something. How not to behave with a storm. Hebrews chapter 3. Verses 15 to 19, the Bible says, And while it is said, Today if you hear the vo- his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. Amen. For who having had rebelled indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Moses. Now, with whom was the anger with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness? This is, this is uh, talking about the Israelites. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter the, his rest, but those who did not obey? Amen. Amen. For, we see, for we see that they, they could not enter because of unbelief amen they could not enter because of unbelief and why did they have unbelief because each time they went through the storm they didn't pass every storm that god brought them through as soon as they came out of the storm they forgot then they went through the next storm as if god has never done anything for them so they are also afraid in the next storm and then god delivers them and immediately they forget I mean, what is greater than you in your, in your house, there are boils. You don't get a boil. Everybody else, your neighbors are getting boils. You don't get a boil. Everybody's neighbor's firstborn son is dying. Yours don't die. Everybody has head lice. Yours don't have head lice. Everybody is, is, has frogs around. Yours don't have any frogs. You eat from your plate okay but everywhere else is chaos but you alone you don't have any chaos and yet through all that you don't see god's hand of deliverance that is very very that must mean that you might you might either be very thick or there's something very wrong with you hallelujah god was angry with them because of their attitude their attitude in the storm was so wrong sometimes our attitude in our trouble is so so bad because we forget everything god has done 
There's a song we sing. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, name them. You see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Then you will see what the Lord has done. You will see that each storm he delivered you. And that is supposed to make you like David, make you more confident for your next storm. Amen. They were left in the wilderness and they died there. The next person who had a wrong attitude towards his storms was Samson. Now, Samson was supposed to be a judge that delivered, like Moses, same as Moses, was supposed to deliver Israel from, from captivity of the Philistines. But what did Samson end up doing? He ended up loving the Philistine women and prostitutes. And each time, I mean, the storm that of his head being tied didn't affect him. He went to put his head on the same lap that bound him with fresh strings. He went to put his head on the same lap that until his eyes were gagged out and his hair shaven. It's unfortunate that you keep going through mishaps and learn nothing because you are trusting in your strength. Sometimes people trust in their connections. Sometimes people trust in the, the money they have in their bank account. They trust in all sorts of things. And all, you see, the Bible says, curse is the man who's, whose power is in his, the arm of flesh. Because the arm of flesh will fail you. Never ever trust in your power. Never trust in what you think you have. Samson always trusted that he had strength. So it doesn't matter. He can play with Delilah and play with the Philistines until the people that he was playing with ended up killing him. I pray that that will not be your, your, your story. Hallelujah. The, the next one was Judas. Now, Judas was part of those guys in the first storm with Jesus, isn't it? The storm we just read about. Was Judas not part of it? Judas was in the boat. The first storm they went through, he was in the boat. The second storm that uh, Peter walked on the water, he was in the boat. How come when everybody said that who is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? He must be God. How come Judas, after this great miracle and deliverance in the storm, goes to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? Could it be that the storm, the lessons that he, he were supposed to have been learned in the storm did not even pass through his head when he went through his challenge and temptation? He couldn't remember anything. The feeding of the 5,000, he couldn't remember. He couldn't remember the many people that Jesus had raised from the dead and the sicknesses and diseases he had healed. He couldn't remember any of it. I pray that we will not become like Judas and betray God. Betray our salvation, our faith in the face of adversity, in the face of temptation. Remember God. Hallelujah. The next person, I think for the sake of time, I'm going to stop here and go to the right lessons because I can go on and tell you about many more people like Saul. Saul also went through a storm and he had a wrong attitude. Even when Samuel said to Saul that the Lord had taken the kingdom away from you, he was still begging Samuel to come and represent. He was more interested in what people perceived him to be and what people saw in him than what God was really trying to do to him. But he failed because he was trying to appear, you know, just like the Joneses. Never ever compare yourself with anybody. When you compare yourself with some, anybody, you will go wrong. Hallelujah. You will fail in the storm. Because you, even when you know that God is taking you through, you have to pre pretend. Have you ever walked in a very tight shoe? Tight shoe that you can't really walk properly and you are trying to smile and walk around and you are trying to fake everybody and make everybody uh, you know, think that everything is well. And then when they ask, are you okay? They say, yeah, yeah, no, and the shoe is killing you. That's how Sam's, uh, uh, Saul was until he, he perished. I pray that that will not be your portion. Amen. Now the good lessons to learn in your storm. Number one is Job. 
Job was in the Job was in despair. His whole life had been turned upside down. He lost his wealth and his loved ones in a series of sudden calamities that befell him. And now his wealth, his health had gone too. Why? Job was deeply frustrated because he could not make sense of his trial. Sometimes when you're going through a trial, you can't make sense of it. It's everything so bleak and it's so dark. Somebody asked the question, how come that your trials and your storm looks longer? than anything else. See, the night season is always shorter than the day season. Now that we are in summer, the night starts around 9 p.m., isn't it? And by 3 a.m. or 4.30 a.m., it's light. So it's, it's, it's about just around six hours or less. And we have 18 hours or more of sunlight. And yet the, the, the dark season looks longer and it feels more far more than the the lights uh, or the the all the good times why because the storm is designed that way that it feels longer you know the whole story of the book of job it's, it's it spans around 10 to 15 years but it felt so long 42 chapters very very long hallelujah it span it made it feel so long but listen to this. In, in Job chapter 13, verse 15, when he was going through his darkest, deepest, bleakest storm, he said, Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. This is the man. He's going through, and he says that though he slays me, I will trust him. Amen. Have I got the scripture right? Job, I said, Job 13, 15. Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. Can you have that attitude? That even though God has allowed you to go through calamity, you still trust in him and not trust in anything else. Though you are going through a difficult time, you've lost your job, you've lost uh, your, your, your house, you've lost um, uh, uh, your, your girlfriend has left you because you are broke and you're going through everything at the same time, you can still say that though he slays me, yet will I trust him. I trust him that even now he can save me. Even now. Yet in the depth of perplexity and despair, he made one of the most profound statements and declaration of faith recorded in the Bible. He said, though he slays me, yet I will trust him. When he was overthrown, in, and, and he was even repulsive to his own family, his wife couldn't bear to see him because he stank so bad. His friends and loved ones, everybody left him. But yet, in that storm, Job learned to have the right attitude. Listen to what he says in Job chapter 19, verse 25 to 27. He says that, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I am not another how my heart yearns within me. Hallelujah. This is somebody who is going through the storm. Difficult. But he says that I know. I am assured. I am assured that it is well. You know the hymn writer wrote, When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sweet billows roll, Whatever that my God thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This was a time when his wife and children were on the boat in the sea coming to him. He was a missionary and they were coming to him and 
the boat capsized and his wife and children fell and drowned. And he took paper and pen and then he wrote, when peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sweet bees lose roll, whatever my God thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That's the attitude to have in the storm. To still praise God. To still bless God. To still open your mouth and worship Him in the thickness of the darkest storm. Your wife gone. Your children gone. Your hope is gone. All your wealth is gone. Everything is gone. And yet He said, I know. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Let all the earth testify. Then me cry, I know my Redeemer lives. How many of us can say the same thing? To say, I know that my Redeemer lives. It doesn't matter what storm I go through. It doesn't matter what happens. I still trust him. Though he slays me, yet I will trust him. All my family can die. All my my businesses can perish. But I will hold on to the faith I have in God. To trust him. To look up and see him. I pray that we will pass the test when we go through our storm. Amen. The next one is Jesus himself. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says that though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered, having been perfected and become the author of salvation to all who obey him. Amen. Though he was a son, Yet he lent obedience by the things he suffered. When Jesus went through his storm, what he lent was obedience. When you go through your storm, what do you learn? What is it that, that becomes the, the, the basis of your faith? What is it? There are some people, as soon as they are going through difficult times, the first thing they cut out is church. The second thing they cut out is God, prayer. They don't want to know. They don't want to know anything about God. They have no idea. They just don't want to know. It's as if they haven't forgiven God for taking them through the storm. But Jesus, though he was the son of God, though he was God made flesh, when he suffered, I mean, can you imagine, you know that in the morning you are dying. He goes to Gethsemane to pray. And the Bible says that he prays so hard that the sweat on his brows were like drops of blood. When the, the sweat falls on the ground, it falls like a drop of blood. That is pressure. I don't know whether you've been through some pressure like that, but that's pressure. See, even the, the greatest, the condemned criminal who has been condemned to death, the day of their death, they don't tell them. They don't tell them that you are going to be dead be killed Monday morning. They leave them till 5 a.m. Monday morning. If they are going to be killed around 6 a.m., 5 a.m. they come to them and say that you are this is today's your execution day. Nobody's told the day they will die because the pressure that comes with it, you have no idea. And Jesus knew that he that was his last night. He knew that he was dying in the morning. Though he was a son. When he went through the things, the agony, the pressure, he learned obedience. He said that, not my will, but your will be done. I know that I can ask a, the legion of angels to come and deliver me. I know it. When the, the Judas brought the soldiers to catch him in the, in, the, in the garden, he said that, don't you know, I can even call a thousand angels right there to come and scatter these people that have come to catch me. Though he was a son, he learned obedience. He said, no, 
Let it be so. When Peter tried to cut somebody's ear, he took the ear and put it back. And he said, put your sword away. This is not the time to fight. This is the time to obey God. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, this is not the time to fight. This is the time to obey God. Hallelujah. Christ is destined to be the Lord and the King of Kings. The center of and circumstance of all things. The love of the world was not in him. Neither did any, was any sin found in him. But Christ lent obedience to the Father through the things he suffered. 1 Peter 2.23 and 24. 1 Peter 2.23 and 24. The Bible says, And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Amen. And he himself bore our sins in, the, in his body on the cross so we might die to sin and live, righteous, live to righteousness. For by his wounds we were healed. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? That when he was going through the sufferings, when he was being reviled, when he was being insulted and accosted, the Bible says that he did not return the favor. Whilst he was suffering, he uttered no threats. There are some people when they are going through, they become very vile. They, they swear a lot. They become very, very vicious when they are, they are going through their storm. But that is not Jesus. Hallelujah. David learned to be confident in his deliverance. We read it, 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 37. I won't read it again because we have read it so many times. The Bible says that he said, let no man's heart be to fail him because of your servant. For I kept my father's sheep in the backside of the desert. And when the sheep gave birth, a lion came to take one of the lambs. And I caught the beard and I smote the lion. A bear came and I caught the bear and I killed the bear. And this Philistine will be like the lion and the bear. Hallelujah. What joy. You know, he, David, could have said that my brothers, all, all my older brothers are in the army, in a prestigious job. And my father did not see it fit to add me to that army. But he kept me at home and he asked me to go to the backside of the desert to go and look after the sheep. You know, in those days, when the father, when fathers send their sons to go to the to look after their sheep, they normally add servants to it. So the servants are part of the people that are sent. But here's the case: it was David alone, which meant that the father really didn't think much of the boy. Amen. Because remember when Saul was looking after the father's axes, he went with the servant. Because no, no son was allowed to go looking after sheep by himself. That was the culture of the day. But for David, it was different. And not only that, when he went to look after the sheep, what happened? A lion came to attack him. What did he do? He actually rose and fought the lion and killed the lion. If it were me, that would be the last day I'd look after the sheep. As soon as the lion dies, me and the sheep, we are going back home. If the sheep will have to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, so be it. I'm not going back there. But he kept obeying his father in the storm. And then the bear comes. What does he do? He kills the bear and stays right there. I'm not staying after the, the lion, let alone the bear. I'm gone. Hallelujah. But he had the right attitude. When he went, if it were me, if I, when I get home, me and my father, we are going to have words. You know, but here is the case. David gets back home. His father sends him to the battlefield to go and give food to his brothers. And he went obediently. Hallelujah. He had the right attitude. And when he got there, here's Goliath, his next stop. And he says to the, 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 the king, 
let no man's heart fail because I've prepared in the backside of the desert and I'm ready to face Goliath. Hallelujah. David could take the storm and he went to attack Goliath and he ended up cutting the head of Goliath just as he cut the head of the lion and the bear. And listen to what he says in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, the lion and the bear, though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident. Next verse. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that, I will, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. Can you imagine? He, this is a person who has gone through Something coming after his life. A lion coming after his life. A bear coming after his life. Goliath coming after his life. And he says that even when the wicked encamp against me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. One thing. One thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing I desire. One thing I seek. Verse 4. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty and to inquire of his temple in his temple i pray that that will be our profession when we go through the storm in psalm 20 verse 5 to 8 he says that we will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our god we will set up our banners may the lord fulfill all your petitions and now now i know that the lord saves his anointed he is he will answer his, him from his holy heaven with this with the saving strength of his right hand some trust in chariots some in horses but we will remember the name of our lord they have bowed down and fallen but we have risen and stand upright hallelujah can you see the attitude that David has? He says that through it all, I don't trust in my own strength. I have killed a lion, but it's not in my strength. I've killed a bear, but it's not in my strength. I've killed Goliath, but it's not in my strength. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But me, we will remember the name of the Lord. We know that it's the Lord that has brought us through our trials. It's the Lord that has come, that has saved us. One thing that I am confident about is that it doesn't matter what comes today, tomorrow, or the next day. God has me at the right place. Even if I lose it all, God will bring it back again. Hallelujah. Once your heart is right, God will always make it right. Amen. Jonah. Jonah was walking in rebellion. He, he was asked to go to... Um, Nineveh to go and preach. What did he do? He went down south to Tashish. And he went through the storm. Listen to what the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3. Now the word of the verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness have come up before me. Second exam. He failed the first one. The same exam has been brought. Verse 3. But, verse 3. Sorry, I was reading verse 1. Uh, chapter 1, sorry. Let me read chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I, I tell you. Verse 3 says that, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, 
according to the word of the Lord. Now, can you see? He here was somebody with a good attitude. He went out in disobedience the first time. Then he had to reset the exam. And guess what? This time he passed with flying colors. When God said, Arise, go to Nineveh. He didn't start, he didn't go down south. He didn't go up north. He didn't stay where he was. He went straight to Nineveh. May you obey God in your second storm. Amen. The disciples themselves are another example. They learned that God, Jesus that they were walking with, he was God. Who is this that speaks to the wind? And the sea and this and it obeys him. And the Bible says that in first John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. This is this is what the disciples say. Say that that which we have was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life part appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so, that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Now they are describing Jesus, the one whom they asked, Master, carries no doubt that we perish. They are describing him alongside with God the Father. Because through their storm, they had learned that this man is not an ordinary man. This man is God made flesh. This man, that which we have seen, that which we have handled, that which we have touched, that is the one we profess to you. May you have the right attitude after your storm. To learn the right lessons. And not be like Saul, not be like uh, the Israelites, not have the wrong attitude.